This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining, redefining the sales game. And like most things in life there are defining moments that we will always remember and things are never the same once those Mm. happen Mm. we are in one of those right now because we have the one the only mayor of ocala bourbon (laughs) sipping world equestrian center attending mike carey here to impart his unbelievable amounts of knowledge on us. We need to get one of those machines where you can just like click and it adds a sound effect, like the clapping, you know, that sort of thing. I have one of those, but (laughs) I know you do. Of course you do. It's in my portable, uh, my portable podcast rig. I bet it's got the, uh, it's got the, the, um, the people clapping. It's got the, it's all of that. The, 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 did you buy that from did you buy that from Bubba the Love Sponge? <laughs> no, um, believe it or not, I got that recommendation from Mr. James Jenkins, who has the same thing. And I am not too proud to say that I let him do his anal amounts of research and I just studied off his test. I just ripped off his test paper. That, that's all I did. Well, Double J that's did the it. research. Hey, there's no doubt that the research was thorough, right? It, it, it was there. It was there. I, I took my vest off just not to to uh, to come on your podcast wearing a, a, a conflicting vest or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> you had a vest on earlier. Yeah, I mean, Ocala, Florida, you know, suburbs of Dallas, Texas, were you know, all all kind of the same at that point. You know what? I felt like when I was in Dallas that I had been there before, even though it was my first time. And now I understand why. I mean, we probably have like maybe two or three more horses, but okay. I mean, we're pretty much the same. So listen, man, obviously Kyle and I know you, but for those that don't, why don't you give everybody sort of the 10,000 foot overview of who you are and where you came from into the insurance world? Oh, um, man, I'm I'm just a guy that graduated college when the entire economy was taken a downward spiral there in 0708 
And um, I'd always said that there's constants in life and you've got garbage pickup as the top one. You've got property taxes, you've got um, death services and you've got insurance and um, insurance just seemed like a, a smooth transition for me. So that was the beginning of my career back in 2008. So when and obviously you graduated from FSU, which I know, were you were you in insurance and risk management as a career as a degree path or were you recruited in school or you just said, you no, know what? I, I wasn't. I went to Florida State. To my understanding, it was Florida State and Arizona State were the top two party schools. Correct. Um, oh. I grew up I grew up a Gator fan. Um, well, but... let me just stop you for a second. There's a reason for that. Yeah, no, there is. There the is. reason I, the reason that Florida State and Arizona State <laughs> are two of the top two party schools is because West Virginia University was ranked number one by Playboy magazine so many years in a row they just retired it and don't even consider it anymore. Well, to my uh, you're a West Virginia alumni. Well, it's my understanding, Mike, that technically in order to be alumni, you must graduate from the institution. So I'm an, I'm an alum of Birmingham Southern college, which is where my degrees are actually from, but attended the West Virginia. So I, he's a a Morgantown alumni, Morgantown alumni. So, so to answer your question, I found a way to get through the rigorous challenge of Florida state. It is, it was not through the risk management program, um, but having my degree, the agency, that uh, that hired me it was um a mutual friend that said hey there's a guy that is hiring a, a college you know someone with a college degree and he can pay you thirty thousand a year and give you health insurance and i was i was going to be getting married in about three months so i thought that some money and and health insurance would would you know kind of suit me well to you know get get things started for a family so where how long did you work at another agency i didn't even even think about that in any of the past so, conversations, but I mean, I think, you know, th- when people ask me, and it's funny because I was in an Uber in Columbus this week and I forgot my belt at home, which oof, means I had to, I had to go to Gucci to get another belt. I can't right. just naturally. Yeah. I like, can't not a, be walking around with a Gucci belt. Yeah. No non Gucci here. None. Yeah. <laughs> can't so, do that. Can't walk around Columbus without your Gucci belt on. No. They wouldn't know. They wouldn't know who I was. And so I um, I got in the back of the Uber to go out there and was having the guy that was the Uber driver was a college dude. And he wasn't at OSU. He was at one of the community colleges now. But he asked me what I did and how hard it was to get in to insurance and all of that. And I, I told him, I'm like, you know what, man? I said, honestly, I would never enter the industry with the intention of ending anywhere different than where I am right now. But I might enter it differently than how I did way back when maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. Right. Cause I came in as a producer, largely self-taught had to figure things out as I went. I think that the insurance industry is one of the best industries to go get a job as an underwriter or a claims person or a marketing rep for a carrier, get paid to learn the industry, then go launch your agency after you learned how to, you learn how to, how to be in the industry on somebody else's nickel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I was brought in and um, I was told I needed, I didn't know anything. you know, just like everyone, you know, starting off a, a new career, but I was told I needed to get my 220 uh, general lines um, license. So I went through and studied 
and you did all the crash courses, um, did the Andy Beverly. And it was through the Andy Beverly courses that that was one of the, we'll call it catalysts that got me where we are today. Um, because it was through those courses that the, um, the professor or teacher, you know, doing the course was talking about State Farm leaving the state and how it was going to impact everything. So I was just taking that information and in, taking in the information to pass the the you know, state license because I knew I had um, Mrs. Carey or soon to be Mrs. Carey at home that that didn't want a guy that didn't have a job. So I um, went through and passed the passed the course and or you know passed the test and ultimately built it up. But it was through those days at the Andy Beverly School talking to that professor that kind of put the. Um, idea in the back of my mind that starting my own agency and building it um, from scratch wouldn't be completely impossible. So how long were you worth with somebody else versus when did opening up carry insurance so become a reality? I worked I worked for the guy that hired me for 89 days exactly. And uh, I still talk to him to this this day. I think he's a um, he might have a couple of accounts with us. Um, he's this no sounds like insurance. a probationary period issue. Yeah. Let me just be very clear that we're <laughs> in day 89. Yeah, we're <laughs> in day 89 and he calls me in his office and, uh, you know, I'd gone through and built a manifest of of prospects because he brought me in just to sell, uh, you know, small, what I would consider now, you know, smaller commercial accounts. I had no business selling anything larger. And um, I was just building a manifest and and learning insurance. And that day eighty nine, he calls me in, and he says, "Hey, I I'm I'm letting you know I'm letting you go." And I said, "Okay, um, sweet." And, and, thanks, thanks, he bro. Said, he said, "He said I don't I don't think you have a a career in insurance." And I said, "Oh, all right." But I I'd, I'd kind of seen some tendencies, some writing on the wall. So I had another position already lined up at another agency. Unbeknownst to him, I was planning on reimbursing him for all of the the money that he spent on getting me licensed and everything else. But he he chose to let me go. So I I went ahead, went ahead and held on to that money. And, hey, that um, sounds like a severance package to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I the road to life is paved with good intentions, and I had him that day. But after that, I said, you know what, I'm going to go to. Um, to the the next agency and, and work there and, and try to build it up. So I was with that second agency for close to a year. And um, we, we, we split cordially, but one of the driving factors for me leaving was the fact that I told him I didn't mind signing a non-piracy, but I didn't want to sign a non-compete. He had already had someone that um, was, was in his wheelhouse in terms of a perpetuation plan. And that person wasn't me. And I just knew numbers wise, I didn't want to stay too long somewhere and continue to sell insurance and then have to start over. So you go and launch your own agency. What after 15 months, if we add it all up, close yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. What I mean, what was the thought process there? Where was your head, man? <sighs> um I needed to sell insurance. And Andy Beverly, one of the things and the that first day of class, he asked what's um what's the purpose of an insurance agency and um no one knew the answer and i raised my hand and i said to sell insurance and he said <laughs> that's correct so i mean i don't that I don't is like, correct <laughs> sounds like a real tough class 
<laughs> I mean, it, hey, you know, I passed the I passed the test the first time, so I, I'm I was good enough to be dangerous. Can I tell um, you how scary it is that so many people don't pass that test the first time? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. no, I've 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 had I think I've had three now two twenty agents that that I've you know hired and and worked for me that um, I've you know helped them. You pass the test and just talk to him about it. The main thing is just not overthinking it. But, uh, but so I'm not a I'm, good test taker, man. I'm not a good test taker. No, you just don't know what you need to know. Uh, <laughs> I passed um, first time for the record. He's not talking yeah, about Atta, me. way. Um, no, I, I went through and, um, and with my time in Florida state, I worked at a bar and restaurant and one of my buddies that was on the practice squad for Florida State, his dad was um, a realtor or, or he's actually a broker and had all the Caldwell Banker franchises. So it was right after Taylor Bean and Whitaker had gotten shut down by the feds. And I just blindly walk. I make an appointment to go and see him. And I say, hey, I'm, I want to start up an insurance agency. I don't know if you have any office space or what you can recommend. And he walks me up to a 10 by 10 room on the second floor of his building. And he says, this is where Maslow insurance was about a week ago when Taylor Bean and Whitaker got, got shut down, their sister company too got shut down. So this is, the space is available. And I said, awesome. How much, you know, per month rent so I can set a budget. And he said, uh, pay me rent when you can afford to. So that was, go. that was my office. That was getting everything set up with DFS. So I wasn't working from home in my underwear anymore, which was quite comfortable. Mm. And slowly yeah. as the years have gone on, I can't give any secrets away, but there's there's a strong possibility at nine o'clock after dropping the kids off at school, I'm still at home in my underwear. <laughs> but um, but no, I I went six months working there, selling insurance and and building a book, started paying rent, and that was 2010. And then um September of 2013, I bought the building, which we operate out of now as our, our main location um, to, to move and set up an office to be able to bring on staff and, and build a larger agency. So what, like through that process, you're with the one guy for 89 days, the other one yep. for a few months, you know, total of 15 months between the two, I think you said like, yeah. then you're just like, all right, I'm going to start, start up my own deal. I find some office space, get a pretty, pretty sweet deal on the lease. <laughs> awesome then, deal. <laughs> like, so like, as that's all happening, I mean, there's got to be stuff going through your head. Like what, what kind of things were popping in there and how did you shut them down to just kind of keep plugging through because it's not an easy thing to do what what you're what you're talking about here the easiest way to say it is i don't i don't really think it it was hard um i thought it was an obstacle but it was the the ultimate goal you know once again is to sell insurance so i was i was working i didn't have kids at that time our cost of living were so low that i could spend the time going to the mixers going to the chamber going and and just shaking hands and meeting people and, and building the name up that as I was continuing to meet the people, I would constantly ask for the business and then more referrals would come in. And we got to the point in 2011, I hired my first employee. And then from there, we just we just kept on rolling. So you said it wasn't hard, man, but having launched a scratch agency myself, I know that I encountered stuff along the way. What would you say the biggest 
challenges that you faced early on that you weren't sure if it was going to allow you to get past it or not? Um, I'd say one of the hardest things starting a scratch agency, the, the obstacle wise is not chasing the carrot. There's, you know, there's more vendors now than there ever before, but I can tell you when it came to management systems, uh, technology 10 plus years ago is much different than it is today, but it's, you know, seeing something that you think could help you and you commit to it, but you truly don't have the time to implement it properly. And it ends up costing you more money on the back end to just get through it because either you're not prepared or you're not set up to, to handle and, and use, you know, whatever that tool or widget could be properly. So I had to, I had to learn to just say no to a lot of things and continue to, to sell and grow and, and do the work. I mean, it was a lot of late nights working before I brought anyone else on as anyone can attest to. You've grown though, not just organically, you've also grown through acquisition. Talk about that a little bit. What, what led you to start going down the acquisition path and why that's made so much sense for you? Yeah. The first between my first agency that I worked for in that second one, I'd interviewed with a good friend. He's a great friend now, uh, Brad Blessing. He's He's got a large state farm agency there in Bellevue, Florida and into the villages. And he wanted me to come in and be one of the state farm, uh, I, don't, I don't, the understudy program to ultimately be a state farm agent. I don't know what, what it's called now, but they more or less tutor you. You learn the, the state farm knowledge and then it's Mike Carey's state farm agent. And all I could think about was the fact that state farm wasn't writing in Florida and that I'd commit to doing that. And they were going to send me out to like South Dakota or somewhere horrible. Sorry to all the South Dakota listeners, but, <laughs> but that's, that's just not me. So it's nothing personal. Definitely going to have to um, do damage control. Heavy yeah. South Dakota <laughs> listing population. Here. So, um, so I ended up yeah letting them know, Hey, I wasn't going to take the job. Well, that probably eight months later, I start the agency and um, a small book of business comes up that he puts me on. And it was about $8,600 in revenue, um, which isn't a ton, but it's $8,600 I didn't have. And it was a fire sale for a small agency. And it was the first one I bought. And the owner asked what I was willing to pay. And I said, $1,500 cash. Because, you know, that's what a guy like me does is offers cash instead of writing a check for anything. Um, so that was the beginning of, of everything. And, and I looked at small acquisitions to help pad the bank account to then hire employees. Uh, I've never really been big on buying a bunch of leads. I think by the time they get to you, they're, they're, they're burned out. So I'm just not a, I'm not that, that kind of agency. But why so, buy leads when you can buy an entire agency full of leads? Yeah. And so we, we opt to do that. And that was, that was the first one. And then over the years I've got marketing reps. In fact, I've got a meeting tomorrow where we're going to get some NDA signed where it's a, another agency, but they come up from marketing reps because I, I, I give the marketing reps time when they want. Um, I give them rules. I say, you've got to come in and once every other visit, you got to bring lunch to the staff and you got to come in with good content. I don't want it just sitting around and not, not sharing any information. So they, they always laugh when I say it, but I build a relationship with them 
because the reps are the ones that are out there um, given the opportunity from the agency principals to sit down and talk with them and, you know, see, see where their head's at at the time. And, um, and that's where probably half of the agencies that, that I've acquired thus far have come from the marketing reps. Hmm. Marketing reps are, yeah, they're certainly in a bunch of places. They're good for giving you a heads up on service team that's looking to relocate too, if they're not getting treated right where they're at agencies, if you ain't treating your service people, right. Don't be surprised when your marketing reps are telling other agencies they're not happy. Yeah, the um, the marketing reps should probably sign an NDA at this point because <laughs> there's things I found out about other agencies I probably shouldn't know. But but in the back of your mind, it you know, like you said, you just got to keep everything on the up and up, and um, every day that goes on, just try to write the the good business that you can. Stay away from the bad stuff. It's amazing. Uh, I sometimes I just have to turn off the social media, you know, when it comes to the agency groups online with the mindset that some of the owners have or how they do business yet it's, you know, to each his own kind of thing, but it's definitely different than, than what I do day in and day out. So be more specific about that. Please use names, dates, and places. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, I think, I think it's a valid point, man. Um, You know, social is good. It gives you the ability to collaborate with people you might not otherwise collaborate with, make friends that you might not otherwise have. But the flip side of that is we're also subjected to people we would also never be subjected to if we weren't running in those circles. And I think there needs to be a healthy balance there. But, you know, I think that's one of the biggest issues that I see. And it's one of the reasons why personally, I I pref- you know I like the agencies in killing commercials so much because we're all kind of doing the same thing, man. Like, there you don't you don't need to go to one of our events or be on a call and ask a question and then have to ask twenty pre qualifying questions to make sure that person knows what they're talking about in the answer and that it's relevant to you. We're kind of all doing the same thing, but it's not that way on the internet at large. Obviously, I mean, you could go into one of these groups and ask a question about. I feel like you could just get lost for oh days. days. You know who's the worst? You know who's the worst? The people that work for the life insurance companies that are like multi-level marketing oh. for life. And that gets really, really bad because they try to be slick about connecting with you, but they're not. Like I don't like yeah. if somebody sends me a request to connect on Facebook, there's a thousand percent chance I'm immediately going to your friends list to see who we have in common. And if it's not like one of the five or six people that I know would never accept a request from an automated thing or somebody who's just going to try and sell them leads, I'm not going to take it because they, mm. they run rampant, man. They're all over the place. But I think the other thing though is, you know, you have to balance it. And I mean, I'm, I'm saying this as a word of caution to producers, you know, when you're out on the internet and you're part of these groups, just because somebody gives you an answer with authority doesn't mean they're not authoritatively wrong. Like we're looking <laughs> at it from a completely different perspective. You know, I was in a group this weekend and they were talking about how somebody bought a policy. I don't even remember what group it was, but they bought a policy that was not or sold a policy rather to um, no, you know what it was they got rolled on a deal and the agent represented that the gl and the workers comp were not auditable Ooh. Hmm. and that's why they lost 
And I said, can't be accurate because workers' comp audits are statutory. Like, you're required to do them, and the carrier's required to complete them within a certain amount of time, or they get fined. So I know that's not true. Yeah, there are GL companies. There are companies that write GL. If it's that super audit. small and, you know, right. Or a BOP. Like up until yeah. recent years, BOPs were never auditable. It was clear yeah. as day. They were non-auditable. But I mean, this person's in there talking about, I lost, I lost a deal because of this. And immediately, everybody wants to run and comfort that person and say, oh, you know, that, that's unethical. They're a liar. They're this, they're that. No. I mean, the reality is the person who posted better. the question didn't have enough information in there, number one. Maybe they don't have a workers' comp audit. Maybe they don't have a workers' comp audit because they're in a PEO and there's no reason for them to have it, right? But that part wasn't discussed, and I think that's where things get sideways, man. It's really, really Just tough. Just a snapshot of the situation. It's tough to manage a community like that online. Yeah. It really is, especially if it's all over the board. That's why, like, for what we've built, I'm so thankful that we don't have any of the nonsense, man. I mean, everybody's pretty much handpicked, pretty much goes with the flow, pretty much has their, you know, their head on straight and their moral compass right. We can focus on writing business and helping each other and not have to worry about all of that. But I do think it gets dangerous and it's easier and easier to get ingrained with different online communities, which if you're somebody who's coming from the captive side and opening up an independent scratch or you're new to the industry and you're opening up an, an agency from scratch, you, you're going to look for answers wherever somebody's going to answer you. And my, mm -hmm. my caution is just be careful. Maybe ask a couple follow-up questions about the person who gives you the answers or just go look. Like well, I, I was in a, I was in a discourse like on LinkedIn. There. Yeah, I was on LinkedIn this weekend going back and forth in a comment thread with a guy. And the guy, his his LinkedIn profile was first name, last initial, and he didn't disclose the name of his company. How good does he really think his reputation's going to grow to be online if he's not even telling you who he are, where's he, and where he works? Yeah, yeah. So or at least you to believe that writing, something. He, yeah, he's complaining about people not wanting to buy workers' comp, even though they're required to. And I'm like, well, they probably are buying it. They're just not buying it from you, first name, last initial. Yeah. No well, it makes you think that something happened prior to, and he's like trying to hide who he is a little bit. Not a fan of the anonymous poster online, man, to be completely honest mm. with you. I'm not a fan at all. Yeah. The anonymous post is, um, I, I mean, I guess for certain questions, they probably should be anonymous. So people don't, don't know who's asking it, but going back to your, your question you had before of what I was thinking when I started it, Kyle, yeah, we had Facebook. You know, I, I think I joined was one of the original guys in like oh four. Um, the when you founding, had a, you're a college. founding Facebook. I'm, I'm a founding. I <laughs> I I went to school with Dustin, but I didn't get. Uh, he's not paying me any money off off his billions, but it's okay. You're practically Horse, one of the Winklevi at this point. I I think I, I should have. <laughs> By been the on way, can I just can I tell you how awesome I love how much I love using Winklevoss in plural of Winklevi. Winklevi. <laughs> I like to try and put that into a conversation wherever appropriate. But we in 2010 and, and moving forward, we didn't have those groups on Facebook because it was still about sharing pictures of dogs and funny yeah. cat videos and, and, you know, people poking each other. Pokes are the best. Pokes. Uh, I, I still, I still have a couple of pokes in my back pocket, <laughs> but um, you didn't go to Facebook to, to iron out your entire profession. 
I mean, you were a professional. Or your personal in- life, for that matter, man. Some <laughs> yeah, of these people are train wrecks. <laughs> I mean, I, I went to Google like a good businessman, and I figured it out. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think a lot of people have gotten away from that. Uh, they would rather ask the masses of what they should do because, you know, to a certain part, there's the uncertainty. But they also, I think they're wanting affirmation instead of information. And I don't think our industry in terms of insurance uh, is different than anyone else where there, there's there's people out there seeking it. Another favorite of mine is when they ask for your opinion or your advice and then argue with you about why you're not right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're wrong. Yeah. Or yeah, some I, or some some person comes off the top rope that wasn't even in the original conversation. So that's what I'm saying, man. You could just I, I would get lost for days and just be just absolutely bloodbathing in these. That's why I don't get on face. I, I get on and I'll scroll through, but I don't have like I'm sorry, people. If you guys a friend requests me, I haven't accepted your shit. It's because I don't get on there and I'm just not going to. Like I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Huh? I've been sending you cat videos and you never respond back. A, well, I, I think I, I feel I like yeah. I think I accept. I, I think I received your poke. And I, <laughs> I feel. I feel like you're a. You're a. I feel like you. You are a. Uh, a big Facebook fake profile guy. I feel like you Me? would have a couple fake profiles go into these groups and then just poke people for no reason. <laughs> I I might do it now. Uh, honestly, hasn't hasn't occurred to me, but I might do it. Now that I think about it, two weeks ago I got an invite from Kyle Honcho. <laughs> I just want you to know, in 1985, <laughs> I did a full nude in Playgirl <laughs> under the alias of Mike Concho. 1985, Mike Concho. I don't even know what that's Tal- called. Talladega Nights. Really? Wow, I yeah. feel like I'm fairly well versed in Talladega Nights, too, and I missed it's that w- part. It's when Ricky's in the hospital, and he's like, it's for no reason, John C. Riley comes in there, and it's just like... <laughs> Because he thinks he's like dying or something like that, so he needs to share this like secret with him. He's like, "I just want you to know." <laughs> uh, I gotta I know. tell you, man. Like, I feel like those two are a pretty solid comedy duo. Yeah. Yes, and I, also like they are. Have Have you seen uh, the Showtime Lakers uh, deal with John C. Riley as Jerry Bus? No. no. You need to. You should watch that. It is. It's. It's really good. But he. They make him look so much like Jerry Bus. It's crazy. Is Jenny in it? Who's Jenny? Uh, yeah, she's young. I'm. I'm only like. It, it, first of all, I think it's only like two seasons so far. Maybe three. But yeah. I'm, I'm wrapping up the first one. But um, she. Uh, Jeannie. Yeah, Jeannie. Yeah, yeah. So she's um, she's like younger in the thing, and it's not. It's not like anybody you would have you you would recognize but yeah. um I don't, I don't know how far ahead they're gonna jump and and you know um find maybe find like a new like cast somebody different for it if they jump ahead but so anyways th- it's a good there's one. not there's not phil jackson coming in just dominating dating the owner's daughter and winning championships no because this is the showtime lakers so this is back you know with magic uh, and Kareem. okay that was so it's like cream worthy so- yeah, so the it's battling like bird. Okay, Pat Pat Riley and like yeah, Bird is in there. Well, that bird, was back in the Rock Bird's and character is Bird's character is hilarious. He's just he's walking around constantly drinking like Bud Heavy and just like pissing on reporters. Just like like one word answers. It's it's great. Anyway, what about please for the love of God tell me they've got Kurt Rambis in there? I haven't oh, seen. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't seen Rambis yet. 
Again, I'm not very I'm not very far in. I'm maybe like episode seven. Okay. Michael Cooper. The punch. Cooper, uh, Cooper's in there. Byron Scott. And I haven't seen Byron Scott yet. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it was, but it's I good. Think it was Rambus it. that took that punch at half court. Yeah. So Oh, Rambus? Guy was always in fights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anyways, watch that one. So the, whatever. Uh, I don't I don't even know what we were what what the hell we were talking about before Facebook. Yeah. I bet, look, I'm never going to miss an opportunity to bring up Kurt Rambis no. when possible. Mm, I feel yeah. like he doesn't get the exposure he needs. Or he deserves. definitely does not. No. So, sorry, Mike. What are you, 10 years, 15 years in at this point to owning the agency? 12, 13, 14? This March will be 14 years. And the first policy that was sold was on April 10th, 2010. Nice. How long after you opened? Um. Uh, well, made everything official legally March of 10. And then it was about a month of going through getting companies, getting everything set to be able to implement a, a model of selling insurance and being able to continue to do it without having to go back and, um, you know, work on, on the infrastructure. So it was about a month of building it that, that led us to that first, you know, week and a half into April of, of selling policies. You finally were able to write your own auto. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, Jen saying, you know, she's uh, was with USAA with her dad, uh, yeah, being in the Navy, and she's like, you know, it's USAA, and I'm like, I know their their one percent dividend that we get back every year for forty five dollars is amazing, but I'd rather get fifteen percent <laughs> commission. Right. So yeah, no kidding. Yeah that so that that was the beginning of the end. So here's the thing, man, and I don't want to put you on the hot seat with this question, but this one is kind of important in all reality. You launched the agency. You were getting into insurance. You were just getting ready to get married. You launched the agency and either were still just getting ready to get married or were newly married when you did. So Jen's been with you for the entire ride. Yeah. For all practical purposes, right? Like, and so my my question is, how did she help you? get through all this stuff and push forward because from my perspective, I know for a fact, FRP wouldn't even exist. If, if Andrea wasn't my wife, I'd have left and done something else by now, but it never would even, I never even would have started it. I should say, what was that like being a newlywed trying to launch a scratch agency and manage both at the same time? Cause you know, look, this is not me throwing shade at, at Jen Carey by any stretch. This is anybody who's newly married. Mama wants some attention paid to her. Yeah. And I've got to be delicate because I still don't have my post nup signed with her. But <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, hey, the oft forgotten post nup. Yes. Oh, hey, will you go ahead and sign this? It's our new bank account. That's um, like the non compete <laughs> they want you to sign on your last day. Yeah, that's that non-piracy. Damn it. Um, no, she um she yeah, she was she finished up. We moved and yeah, moved to Ocala. Uh we had a small two-bedroom, one bath house uh that was you know very inexpensive for for what it was back in the day in terms of mor a mortgage payment. And she was, you know, she was a uh, in the Marion County school system. So, you know, full circle, she spent 14 years in the school system, and it was her her income coming in that helped pay the bills. I mean, David, you, you get on me all the time, just joking about it, but you know, it's true. When, when I am running to the airport, I'm probably going 80 plus miles an hour down the, uh, down the interstate, 
back in 2010, 2000, you know, with, you know, early tens, when I was starting up the agency, I was idling everywhere I drove because every dollar counted and I wanted to stay within budget monthly, not to get into any kind of credit card debt. I've, you know, I was raised by CPAs. So I'm, I try to be conscious of what all spendings, you know, are, but it, it was building it up from there. And she was supportive. And the fact that uh, she knew if I was working on something or needing to go anywhere, that it was you go and do whatever you need. Uh, I know there's a lot of friends in the in the industry that joke that, you know, I'm a plane flight away from going, but I find so much value in traveling and being around other agency owners, whatever the event is, because there were years that I was by myself and I didn't have any kind of circles of influence that could help me unbeknownst to me. You know, some of the best help you get is when you're just listening and you're not asking questions. Listen to conversations, hear, hear other people's stories. Um, you know, what hurts agencies starting off the most, especially mine, is not just the the dangling carrot, but making a decision that that can cost you thousands because you messed up on a policy or something that that could happen that you're not aware of. And over the years, I've tried to stay grounded of what all we write. And I try not to to get out of bounds um, into the jungle because in, in our line of business, that's where you can get your ass handed to you the quickest. So like the acquisitions then have it all been in line with, with stuff that you were writing before, or have you used it to kind of build out other verticals in the agency? Yeah, a lot of the um, a lot of the acquisitions that we had, Kyle, were were in that 90-10 range in terms of personal to commercial mm -hmm. um, where the agency sits now we're really closer uh, to about 70 30 uh, personal to commercial and every month that number you know ult the ultimate goal is getting closer to, to 50 50 uh, but writing the right commercial business and because i didn't have you know my i joke to people my 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 grandfather sold his last agency in Ocala in 1989. And my joke is that at five years old, I wasn't ready. If he had just waited about two more years, I, I would have been set and would have asked him to hold paper on it naturally. But I didn't have anything to walk into. And a lot of people, you know, if they're from Ocala, they, they think that. But I started off with nothing. No, there was no policies. There's no carriers. And you can be the best agent in the world. But if you don't have any companies to write with, that can offer not only a competitive price, but even more important, the coverage that comes with it, then you're you're on a you're on a boat that just doesn't have a whole lot of power. So you've gotten to the point now where things are kind of, I don't want to say autopilot because that's not the right word. Things are much easier to manage than they were when you were first starting out. And you've realized that the insurance industry gives you the ability to build a nice little nest egg and some liquid income on the side. And you turn that into an investment of all things into a barbecue joint. Talk about what that's been like moving from running, opening this scratch agency to essentially opening up a, a restaurant from scratch with some partners. Yeah, we, um, we went, uh, it was about seven, seven fifteen. Yeah. Sorry to the, I think there's a bunch of agency owners that are five o'clock or early birds, whatever they call that group, but that's not me. I'm, I'm about seven o'clock and I'm having coffee, reading emails, but, um, I was looking. Sounds terrible. At 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I need daddy needs to sleep, but I was reading emails and I jumped on to Bookface. And people were commiserating on a piece of property that was one of the original barbecue spots back when uh, Sonny's Barbecue opened in Florida was was Fat Boys, which was 1970. And I grew up originally, um, you know, on the the east part of Ocala uh, before before moving out on the other end of town. So I knew the restaurant and knew the property. And uh, I reached out to two you know friends and uh, clients of, of mine. And I said, Hey, let's go look at this. I think it's a pretty good opportunity. And one of the guys, he had had a barbecue restaurant prior to, and the, the main, the original idea was to buy it and clean up the property and then flip it. And then we looked at operations wise and getting people on. And we said, well, if we can make it, um, you know, full functioning, it'll be about a year to get it tuned. Right. But if we can get it rolling, then then that'll be, uh, you know, hopefully a, a, another line of, of income that's coming in. So just like anything else, timing, timing is everything. And um, the one part that we, we couldn't predict is um, labor is one thing, but food cost. Uh, you know, everyone talks about insurance getting high. Food cost is absolutely out of control for every restaurant. So all the listeners out there, um, Panera Bread is great, but go to your local deli, eat with your local your local shops because those guys that are the mom and pops are are hurting more than ever because it's double and triple the cost. I mean, we see it on our grocery bill; it's no different from the food distributors. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's double or triple the cost, and there's no economies of scale to leverage against that. Man, you can't no. buy in bulk unless somehow maybe you form some sort of a restaurant co-op purchasing group so that you can leverage large numbers that way and drive unit costs down. But I can't even, I can't even imagine, you know, I I feel like I've never run a restaurant, so I can't speak to it with any level of authority, but I do feel like um, I'm probably fairly close to what it's like to run a restaurant from running full service grocery stores that have bakery deli operations and all the perishable perishable departments that they do. But um, I mean, it's a real deal, man. And I mean, I'll be the first one to tell you like big boy likes to eat. Like I want to go get, I want to go get a plate of food. Y'all are putting out a plate of food at fat boys. Like yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when, when, when I see the pictures, like there ain't no margins on that plate. The plate's full of food. <laughs> Yeah, but you go to a lot of places right now, man, and, and and it's obvious that food cost is high because portions shrink, prices go up, and it's like, holy crap, man! Like we're getting really close to the Jetsons where you just add water to the freeze dried capsule and it's going to populate <sighs> your yeah. your meal. I mean, if things get any smaller, but so how have you been able to navigate that? Um, just constantly trying to 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 change to quickly change when, when we see something um, is potentially losing money, but we don't want to give, you know, the, the main thing that drives people into restaurants is good food. That's number Mm -hmm. one. If they're going to eat there and they're going to enjoy it, then you need to have a clean restaurant. That's really number two. Um, From there, it's, it's, it's being open to changing the menu. We went to a full digital menu knowing that, as cost and items went up in lieu of being the, the locally owned restaurant that just had a line drawn over something because they just couldn't afford to make it anymore and they couldn't afford to make new menus. 
we needed to to be able to rapidly change what was available and what we were doing. And um, it, it's a very humbling profession to be a part of. Yeah, like I said before, I I took the building, the agency, and being in insurance, it was it was it was quite easy in my mind. I guess it's all relative, but the restaurant is probably one of the hardest things I've done yet. Yeah, I mean, there's like in terms of new businesses, there's some sort of crazy stat out there that rest like I don't know what it is. Eighty five percent of new restaurants like fail within eighteen months or something like that. I'm yeah. surprised it's that low, honestly, man. Yeah, I it's, it's, it's even high. Because, like you that. said, man, it's it's you've got to have good food. So if somebody comes in there the first time, and they've got a, you know, they've got a really tough brisket, you know, that they can't freaking chew through, like then, what are the chances they come back next week for lunch or whenever it is, or order, you know, well, bring the family in and all that? Well, and then you've stop, got the- stop. I have some late breaking <laughs> and very urgent news. I just got a text from Dan Smith that has acknowledged he will be joining us for a long weekend in Key West starting January 10th. If nothing else, Mikey, we're closers. We're closers. <laughs> we, was, were, I, we were working I, him over yesterday so hard, it's not even funny. And I actually did it in, I, I did this intentionally, but I was walking him right down Chris Voss and he even picked up on it the first time, but then I just kept going and it's like, he completely didn't think that I was still doing it, but I like labeled him three different times in a row. I took screenshots of the three dots where he was typing and my answer was already typed in. To the text. So as soon as it, his answer came through, I just hit send right away. And I sent it to him when we were done. He goes, he, he made some sort of a remark to me. And I sent him the screenshots when we were done. I'm like, dude, you're in the octagon. You're in my world now. My answers were tight before I ever even got your questions. I was in my son's uh, piano recital and Jen's looking at me like I like I was on another planet by being on Listen, my phone. Listen, Jen, enough for oh. a lease right now, okay? Enough. We can get Beethoven anytime. This guy's been around for 500 years. We got to deal with the task at hand. <laughs> we we got to get Danny Boy to Key West so we can catch more fish. But uh, we um, need him for limit, man. I mean, yeah. we need another limit guy. Yeah. I mean, I say we just make friends when we're down there. Also very possible. Mm -hmm. um, but no, the, uh, you know, all in all, the, the restaurant, the, the cost, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier is the it's the damn Facebook groups. It's everyone's a um, clearly they've all owned restaurants. They're all experts. Um, they know much what gourmet great cooks. food is. Very They're much. all gourmet cooks. I mean, the, my my favorite is the the people that have the visceral hate online. Nine times out of 10, their profile is a cat. Yeah. And <laughs> it just it takes everything in me. I'm probably going to. Um, you probably give give me your sign on for your Mike Honcho account so we can just use that to, <laughs> to just I just can't deal with it, man. People just get on and are bitching constantly. It's like I, I just don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it um yeah, it's the nicest way to say it. It, it is it is very humbling. Um yeah. but but I continue to drive business to the restaurant like I like I would anything um that I'm a part of. Uh, because I, I I truly believe that it's we've got a good we've got a good crew there. We've got an awesome GM that um, we we were able to recruit out of retirement. He came from Cheesecake Factory, and Dane and Dayat were working on being better. So every Tuesday That's when we're having meetings and we talk about 
you know, what's going on. That's, that's the, the positive focus we have to have is what's not working, what is working, what, what, what can we do to expand out and, and bring in more people. That so cheesecake I, factory guy has got to feel like he's on vacation coming into a pared down <laughs> menu. Like, factory. dude, I was going to say, man, cheesecake factory is like a freaking Britannica. I was going to say, you have to, after having I, to cook from the Encyclopedia Britannica, the other <laughs> thing I was going to say is this I have the solution for your cat people that hate online. Go ahead. I, I saw that you can get a floor decal of the cat from Christmas vacation after it chewed through the Christmas lights on the tree. So it's like just this burnt cat. That's a floor decal. I put it right at your entrance and send the message. So they know coming in. Yeah. So they know this is a, this is a cat free zone. Um, Cats are the no. worst. <laughs> they, I'm um, deathly allergic. Yeah. Deathly allergic. Oh man. My, my eyes pop out of my head. Oh, it's terrible. I look it, like Will Smith in hitch when he's at the seafood <laughs> thing, you know, making sushi or whatever. Yeah, uh, like, I, dude, this is a true story, man. There's, I have an account that's uh, like a paving contractor that redoes parking lots for banks and in uh, strip malls and stuff, mm -hmm. and really doesn't need to go outside that because we have thousands of both in Florida, it seems. But I like they their their corporate office with the old air quotes is in a refurbished barn that is on their property behind the double wide that they live in, so. We're going back to early days of FRP where I'm driving in thinking I got to have everything I can get. Now, let me step back for a second. This counts about 15 grand in revenue now, 15, yeah. 20,000 in revenue. So it's not, it's really nothing to sneeze at, but I'm sitting in this refurbished barn and like, I don't realize it, but over time I just like keep scratching at my neck and <laughs> To the point where my neck is like opened up and it's starting to bleed onto my shirt collar. And the lady asks me, she goes, are you okay? Or is there something wrong? And I'm like, why would you ask? She goes, because you're bleeding on your shirt collar. I was like, out of curiosity, do you happen to have any cats on the property? She goes, yeah, there's about probably a dozen or two up in the loft right up above us. I'm oh. like, I'm out. Like, if I don't get out of here right now, my throat <laughs> is going to close and I'm going to die. Yeah, and that thanks. was like literally the first year that I had the account and I've had it ever since, I think going on seven years now, but I will never forget that, man. I mean, when you talk about cats and being allergic, I'm sitting in that meeting, never thinking anything at all about the fact there's going to be, you know, a dozen, we don't even talk about our cats singularly. We talk about them in the dozens. There's a dozen or two up in the loft. That's so Who foul. has dozens of cats? That's so someone foul. that Someone that doesn't want any mice or rats. Or or me around. <laughs> Good luck on your audit. I'm not coming out. Keep the agent at bay. Um, crazy no, stuff. I, I I well, I know one event we will not be attending is the uh, was it the the cat museum or whatever they have in, in Key West. The six six was it six? Oh, Hemingway cats? House. Hemingway. Yeah. And, and it'll get you. They'll sneak up on you in the Hemingway House too. No, yeah, I I I just can't do it. I I'm, I'm like you, my eyes, they look like they're going to pop out of the, the back of my head. And I just, I don't stop sneezing. Um, it's, it's, it's no good. I'm, I'm definitely the, the, the dog guy. Um, no, no surprise there. So you've opened up a scratch agency. You've opened up a scratch restaurant, which one's more difficult restaurant by far. Really? Yeah. I can, um, I can, 
take days and days and talk to people and build just referral streams of business and and it's it's not an issue but to to run a, a restaurant or have restaurants right now more than ever um it you know like i said uh, cost wise to keep the margins where they need to be um it's it's not easy but like i said we're we're continuing to to look at it week in and week out and see where where profit is and where losses and 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 try to get to um mainly labor and, and food costs keeping pe- keeping those in line because like i said the food's awesome um but this day and age i don't know if someone's out there that says oh hey i've got instagram uh influencers that just go to restaurants if i could spend marketing dollars it would it would be to do that people that just go around and they have hundreds of thousands of followers to go into restaurants because there's some spots they'll go into or some spots I've been to. And it's like, I mean, it was good, but it wasn't like out of this world. Amazing. Um, but that's, that's what drives business now because um, the economy for a lot of people isn't, isn't good. I read a, a stat that in 1983, um, the family that made $100,000 annually is with inflation and everything we have right now is the family that makes 300000 now. Well, there's a lot of people that aren't making 100000 now. And Ocala, Florida is one of the fastest growing cities in the country. So we've definitely seen um, a ton of business come in there on our personal line side because of that. But, um, so horses you know, per person are now like a dozen yeah, instead of, yeah. I mean, dozen. I'm down, you know, Y'all got I, that I, equestrian sold, money. I sold off one of the horses. Um, but you know, we've got we're we're a centralized hub there with the interstate system, so we've got you know, FedEx and a lot of the, the large, um, you know, distribution channels that are coming out of Ocala, but that's limited pay for a lot of people, um, in, in terms of what they're going to make. Um, the new Bucky's is coming in north of town, David, as you know, um, if the restaurant thing doesn't work out, I might just go part-time at the office and just get a manager job at Bucky's. So I've got that going for me. <laughs> you know what? They have got a full-size floor machine in the bathrooms almost at all times. Every time I've been to Bucky's, they are scrubbing the bathroom floor. They are absolutely it's, pristine. They're, they're amazing. I, they, I, I I think they're going to collaborate and then they're going to do a Bucky's Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby. And that'll be the super Mecca for Ocal, Florida. <laughs> I don't know. You got to have something that caters to the airboats. Yeah. Yeah. We might, I guess, throw in like a Bass Pro section. Maybe. I mean, a little top water <laughs> goes well anywhere. Yeah. Well, listen, man, we've been going about an hour. What have we missed? What have we missed in the riveting life story of Mike Carey that you want everybody out there to know? <laughs> I feel like I feel like this is Joe Dirt right now. <laughs> the saga, the, the saga, saga of Joe Dirt continues. I mean, it's just beginning, Kyle. Um, Husker do's yeah. or Husker don'ts? I mean, which one? With or without with the or whistle without stick? The whistle st- yeah, you got a no, lot the, of a lot of things to decisions we have to make here. Uh, you know, the the best thing I could say to the the listening people who's you know, I'll assume most of them are in the insurance space is to, is to just get out and, and freaking ask for business, you know, grow, grow your book. Like, like your life depends on it and sell insurance. 
And maybe that that people are going to laugh when I say it, but I think there are a lot of agents out there that get caught in the weeds with the tech side. Um, You know, that's the opposite of what I do. There is no tech um, that asks for the order on your behalf, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, like we were talking about earlier, Jen was 14 years in the school system. She's come, come on board now with the agency, as you know, David, that's solely there to help with the operation side and, and make, make our tech better because that isn't the language I speak. I can, I can speak barbecue. I can speak sales. I can speak to people. Um, but I feel a like lot you that... might be able to speak Tito's fairly fluently too, if I recall. <laughs> well, that's only on days that end and why, but, um, <laughs> but, but just getting, getting people out there and um, opening up, not being able to, you know, being able to ask for the business and um, and sell it and and grow and if anything else, don't make the anonymous post online. Say say it with your name and and be proud of what you're asking. There you go. There you have it. Well, listen, man, we're an hour on the nose. We're going to give the people the rest of their day back to think about pizza, pedos, all selling insurance. Like we've given them a lot to contemplate, man. I appreciate you taking time to come on. And we were here live for the big announcement of Dan, of Dan Smith. Smith actually mm. closing the deal. I just want to thank you. Thank Cassie. Um, I, I thank you, Cassie, for, for making this all possible. Uh, we will take care of Dan for you. That's what she's concerned about, Mike. But Cassie, I want to give you my heartfelt promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, we're going to let you run. Everybody else, thanks for tuning in. This has been Mike Carey. If you're anywhere near Ocala, Florida, drive past Bucky's. Nobody needs 157 (laughs) gas pumps and crappy Mm. brisket. This guy knows what he's doing. And let me tell you something. The barbecue might be the feature, but this guy right here, I'm looking for the sides, man. I've seen the collards. I've seen the mac and cheese. I've seen the freaking corn bread. Yeah. That's the I thing. Just, That's how you know if a, if a barbecue place is going to be good is is what the sides are doing. Yeah. That's that's yeah. fact. If I, you got I shit agree. sides, the rest of the place is going to suck. That's and it's, that's I will I'll fight to death on that. Yeah, don't Saturday, come at me with your frozen three eighths cut fries and uh, manufactured yeah. coleslaw. You know, I yeah. want something from the kitchen. Yeah. Saturday we had the giant tsunami of 2023 that that came through. Um, I, I picked up two quarts of brisket chili and a bunch of cornbread and uh, a slab of ribs and the carry boys were eating like Kings. There you so go. if, if anything, it's, it's chili season and, and we got chunks of brisket in there waiting for you. Nice. The chili over top of the cornbread, highly underrated is a meal. Yeah. Yeah. No, you just, just dump it on top. And then you have the rib, the rib is kind of there as you're like to garnish the plate. Yeah. So, it of course was, it is. Yeah, it was it was good. It was good. I'm just you know prepping for the season, but um, no, thank, to, thank you guys. Yeah, go to Fat Boys. It's worth the drive, even if you're an hour away. Check it out. This guy knows what he's doing. I can tell by the pictures. But I've also had a little bit of a nibble of his of his uh, samplings too. So looking forward to getting up and seeing the restaurant in person here very very soon. And I believe Josh Gurley's planning on driving and meeting me when we do. So. It's closer for me than it is for him, but I won't tell him that if you don't. <laughs> Come on, boys. Kyle, you're cool. welcome, too. I'll make it happen. Oh, yeah, right. no, 100%. All right, guys, we're out. Everybody, we'll catch you next time. See ya. 
You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. 